Hello and welcome to the Maple Lion Music Podcast. This week we are joined by singer-songwriter from the UK, Hattie Briggs. Um, thank you for joining us, Hattie. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for the invite. And as ever, I am joined by my good buddy, Brad. How are you doing, Brad? Good. How's everybody else doing out there? I'm still kind of waking up a little bit, but it's all good. Uh, it's the issue with Canada-UK podcast collaboration. Uh, anyway, this is the Maple Arm Music Podcast. So, Hattie, thank you for joining us today. It's uh, it's nice to have you on. Um, so, we'll get started by finding out a little bit about how you got started in the world of music and why you decided to start writing original music and the, the, the route that you took into it. Well, it was, um, I kind of fell into it, to be honest. Um, it's not, I'm not one of those people who kind of thought since they were six, I want to be a pop star or a singer-songwriter or whatever. It wasn't like that at all. I just, I've always loved music and I kind of accidentally wrote my first song when I was 17. Um, accidentally? Was, kind of, yeah. I'd, I'd been just singing a lot and um, I was teaching myself a bit of piano. I never learned the piano. I um, learned the guitar, but I was kind of teaching myself piano. And um, I think I'd maybe tried, I think I tried to write a song on guitar and I kind of struggled with it. And then... Um, and then I was playing the piano and for some reason, because I wasn't a particularly good pianist, obviously at that point, I was just playing kind of block chords. It made it easier to kind of just have the space to write a song. Um, so I ended up writing this, this very just kind of basic song. But um, when I played it to people, they really liked it and I got a really good response. I remember playing it at the school concert and it went down really well. And um, and then after I wrote this first song, I just kind of couldn't stop. And I, and I just kept writing and writing and, and I was, a, I was a very nervous performer, but the more I performed, the more I kind of got into it and started playing a few gigs in London. And then things just kind of developed from there really. And so what kind of made you eventually make the, the jump saying like, I've, I'm writing music. I now want to go into a recording studio. I want to really try and make a go at this. I think it was, well, it was kind of a combination of things, but when I was, I think I must have been 20, around 20, I, I was at university and I um, met this guy at an open mic night, a guy called Henry Fraser. Um, and we realized that we had the same kind of musical influences and stuff. And we, um, we were the only two people playing at this open mic night and we got chatting and decided to meet up and kind of like jam each other's songs and um, we became really good friends and started gigging together in London kind of as a duo. Um, and he basically just kind of got me like to have the confidence to like put myself out there and do those kinds of things. Um, and I think I just became obsessed with songwriting so much that I just couldn't really focus on anything else. Like suddenly having been, you know, wanting to do university and all of these things, I found myself like a year into the course just being like, just not interested in this anymore and all I want to do all day is sit there and write songs <laughs> instead of writing this essay that I'm supposed to be doing um so I think I just kind of realized that yeah my motivation for studying Russian which is what I was studying at the time had oh, completely wow. gone <laughs> and um <laughs> and I just wanted to do music so I at that point I was kind of like well I think music's for me and I just yeah quit and went off and did that 
Uh, that just brings me on to another question that I didn't have. Why Russian? What was I just? <laughs> good question. It's a very good question. Um, well, I was I was good at languages at school, and um, I don't know. Nobody really does Russian, so I just kind of thought, well, you know, I'm I'm good at languages, and um, I don't really know what I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at that point. So knowing a language is kind of a useful thing. So I just I went for that. Uh, and uh, can you speak Russian now? Um, not very well. I could at the time, but it's been quite a few no. years, so it's kind oh, of okay. slipped uh, away. But I can say, uh, if you want something, you know, in Russian, then "dostoprimachati uh, nosti" um, oh. means uh, tourist sites. Oh, nice! Okay. I was actually, it's the longest word in Russian. I was actually going to ask: Is there any plans at any point to release a single in Russian? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it could be a thing, you know, oh. at some point, but I haven't been I haven't been super tempted yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's still time. Well, interesting school choice. What are some of your influences for uh, your musical musical taste? Well, I grew up kind of listening to really great kind of singer songwriters like James Taylor and Joni Mitchell. Um, a lot of Eva Cassidy actually who obviously isn't a singer wasn't a singer songwriter but amazing vocals um Elton John Carol King all those kind of you know Paul Simon just really great and lots of American singer songwriters actually um which was definitely my mum's um kind of taste in music um so I think I've always I've always kind of been a lyrics person and been somebody who really listens to the lyrics and the melody. And that was what was really important for me. So when I was writing songs, I think I've always kind of focused on, on that side of things. I've never, I've always kind of known that I wasn't going to be like a virtuoso guitarist or pianist. That's not really my thing. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say those kind of singer songwriters um, were what I grew up listening to. And then more recently, I mean, at the moment I'm really into, um, Laura Marling's new album I think it's absolutely brilliant um and kind of before that I'd say the the singer-songwriter album that I was into the most was Foy Vance the Wild Swan album which was brilliant but I'd say I'd say kind of influences come and go but great singer-songwriters definitely do it for me um so until this point in time you've released like two studio albums um Red and Gold and Young Runaway um I, I have both of them. I enjoy listening to both of them. I think I my favorite is Red and Gold. I really love uh, I love the harmonies in Red and Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite song on that album is uh, is Godspeed. Um, and my, it it kind of hits home a lot with a situation between me and my sister. So I was going to ask you what the story is behind that song uh, of yeah. that album. Yeah, I can absolutely see why you relate to that one, Matt, because. Um, I wrote that when my brother went off to start working in America. So, um, so I wouldn't say I wrote the song necessarily for him, but I guess it, it's, it's, it's kind of for him. It's about him um, heading off and kind of, you know, being like happy for him that he was going to do something really exciting. But at the same time, kind of, you know, um, I knew that I was going to miss him a lot and um, just kind of thinking about our childhood and, you know, the good old days and how, how things change, I guess, kind of reminiscing and, and kind of thinking a bit about what's going to happen in the future. Is he still living in America? He is. Yeah. He lives in Houston. Houston. Oh, that's, that's quite a way to go. 
It is. Yeah. We've been out a couple of times to, to see him, but yeah, we don't, we don't see him as often as we'd like, especially at the moment during the pandemic. Obviously it's difficult. Um, So have you been out at all and played whilst you've been uh, over that way? Yes. um, A couple of times there was one trip um, which was sort of two months long um, where I went and did a few house gigs and kind of small casual gigs that people organized me. It was, it was basically completely organized by me and my mum who were, who was managing me at the time and with the help of my American fan base and, and, you know, people that we knew and contacts, um, we sort of booked half, half of the gigs before we were out there. And then half of the gigs, the kind of the later part of the tour, we actually booked while we were there. Um, and I was sort of borrowing instruments from people and um, staying with people that we didn't know. It was very much like a, you know, um, independent cobble it together kind of tour. But it was pretty cool. And and the people that we met um, were were pretty wonderful and and were incredibly um, like kind and, and looked after us. Did you stay only in Texas or did you get to different no. states? I don't think we actually we didn't go to Texas on that trip. Um, I don't know if I don't think at that point actually I'm trying to think where my brother was at that stage I don't know if he was in Houston yet Um, because also because we didn't we didn't actually meet up with him on that trip and I have a feeling it was the year that he was actually back in the UK so I think I don't think it possibly (laughs) then on another year we went and stayed with him and I did a few gigs at the same time but but that trip we did we did kind of uh the east coast first i think and then we flew over and did some west coast stuff um so i think how many it was we did like 12 states or something it was pretty crazy the amount of traveling we did in in eight nine weeks it was an amazing trip um but yeah we, we we stopped off in a lot of different places it was cool so off the back of that do you have like a core following in the states yeah, I'd say I'd say I have a pretty good, um, small but perfectly formed audience in the states. Um, like those people, I f- I think they feel like they really know me quite well, and we've obviously, you know, um, organized organized this trip together, and I've spent time with them and their families, and stayed mm-hmm. at their houses, and met their friends, and all of these things. So it's it's actually like doing those kind of small house gigs and those kind of shows. It gives you an amazing connection with that audience what um, venues were these at like you're mentioning houses so were you going yeah. to people's houses or cafes yeah. or both all of those things so some of the gigs were literally people um invite us into their into their homes into their living rooms and we yeah. set up a gig literally in their living room or their kitchen or whatever it is <laughs> uh, or their I, garden or i i, I have i have witnessed one of these yeah, <laughs> this, this is those yeah. living room concerts Matt was yeah. telling me about. Yeah, I was, Absolutely. yeah. My, uh, my, my dad, my dad actually had Hattie in. Um, yeah. And uh, I was live streamed from Canada to watch it as well. I think there was a couple of us that were, but yeah, it's a, a unique experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's not. I think it's yeah. It's not really like any other kind of gig that you'd go to, and and the way. I mean, I'm sure everyone kind of does their living room gigs the same, but sometimes it kind of depends on the audience but sometimes i'll kind of you know get people to if they want to like ask questions in between songs and it will be it'll be like quite an interactive kind of 
experience. So we did did some shows like that. And then I remember playing at kind of an outdoor market one day. Um, I remember playing at the, in this really nice cafe in Raleigh. Um, I played some gig. Well, uh, I can't even remember, but there's, there, it was all sorts. There was, there was indoors, outdoors kind of, there was some which were, which were more regular gigs and some which were very kind of um, just chilled out house gigs and things. That's cool. Um, so you've been um, releasing a handful of singles throughout the, the last year. Um, the latest one was the mountain and me, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um, I like the album, the uh, album artwork for that's pretty cool. Um, oh, thanks. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the painting of Erebor from The Hobbit a little bit, like The Lone Mountain. Oh, uh, cool. Um, what's the story behind the song? Well, um, you probably know this about me, Matt, but um, I, I write song commissions for people, um, which is basically where somebody comes along and, and says, you know, will you write a song for, you know, it's normally for a gift for somebody for some occasion, whether it's, you know, wedding anniversary or, uh, and it could be, it could be anything. Um, but this, this particular song was, um, a group of friends were wanting to, to get a, a song written for this guy called Mike, um, who, who was a doctor who was about to retire. And, um, he'd kind of having had a really difficult, um, few years, he'd kind of really, got himself back on track by um, like walking in the mountains and the hills and um, just being him and his wife and his dog and just going off and kind of being in the middle of nature. Um, so he kind of, well, not him because it was a kind of a surprise for him, but his friend um, kind of gave me a whole load of um, background information on him. And, and then obviously when you're writing these things, you have a bit of poetic license as well. I don't kind mm -hmm. of, do everything word for word. I, you know, draw my own experiences as well and um, my imagination, but it, that's, that's the song that came out. And I think it's, it's kind of a cool subject for now because obviously everyone's feeling completely cooped up and they can't get out and they can't kind of, I don't know, do the things which normally make them happy. So I think it's, it's quite nice to kind of have a song about, you know, your happy place and finding a place where you feel free. And I'm sure we're all looking forward to, you know, getting back to doing all of those things that make us happy. Yeah. Going to see live music. Going to see live music. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Gigs. Remember those. <laughs> so how would someone get a hold of you to write them a song? Just by email normally. Yeah. I just, I have a page about it on my website. Uh, which is hattiebriggs.co.uk. I have a like a song commissions page where it kind of says all the info about it. And yeah, it's normally either word of mouth or, or people just get in touch via email and then we kind of get chatting and make a plan. Good. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, obviously you just mentioned about, you know, gigs and not being able to do them. Um, so it bring, that does bring us on to kind of like COVID and how that's affected music. Um, yeah anyone that follows you on Facebook or follows the, our podcast, because I share it regularly when you're doing it, is you, you've been doing live busks. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about how that started. And uh, is, it, is it Jasmine that joins you? Is that her name? Yes. yes. Yeah. Jazz, who's played in my band for quite a few years and has done lots of touring and stuff. Um, and she also co-writes with me as well. So she's kind of the 
you know main person inside all the workings um yeah we've been doing these we've been doing these busks from home like both of us have busked regularly before on the street wherever that may be and um obviously since since lockdown there've been no gigs the last time i did a gig was this time last year it's been a whole god i can't believe it's been a whole year since my last since my last gig but um obviously it's very very difficult for kind of grassroots musicians to you know get get their music in front of anybody right now and also make a living so for us to be able to have a connection with an audience no matter how kind of you know there's a slight disconnect obviously um that's been really valuable i think for us and for the people watching to kind of have a sense of community um and also for us it's it's a way of making a bit of an income and kind of just keeping things ticking over helping us to actually survive this whole lockdown situation so people have yeah people have been amazing in supporting supporting us through the last year so how often were you getting out before covid to perform it always it, it changes quite a lot um in 2019 we did this really this really big tour um with a guy called Alfie Bow who um is kind of a, a well-known tenor in the in the UK and happened to walk bu- walk by me when I was busking in Paddington station and asked me on this massive tour all around the UK so we did on that tour um what was it 21 dates in the space of a month um going all around the UK but ending up at the Royal Albert Hall which was a pretty pretty amazing oh. gig to play wow um never but been then obviously, there, no. oh go ahead yeah no Sorry. um it was that's obviously the the biggest tour that we've done we don't normally do that many that many tour dates um in such a short space of time but um normally normally in a year i'll play kind of 80 to 100 gigs yes so you've had a lot of spare time on your hands since covid hit then well yes no we've been so busy making kind of making new music and trying trying to kind of get things moving in other ways when we can't gig but it's it's just been really weird how i mean especially when you work for yourself it you kind of in a way are a bit more used to i think of kind of obviously self motivating in things but just kind of getting out of bed and every day is the same and even on a weekend like you can't go out and do anything i'm sure it's the same for you guys it's just after a while you just kind of you just feel like the monotony of just like every day kind of you know it's the same thing so it's been it's been pretty tough um but obviously like everyone's kind of having their ups and downs i think so you just have to try and oh. break it up where you can this 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 uh this podcast was born out of covid um because uh i was i was missing live music and my previous co-host who started off with me sam was uh was missing live music and harvest jazz and blues which is one of the biggest music festivals we have here in new brunswick mm-hmm. was was cancelled and i was you know that 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 was the last straw man i was uh yeah (laughs) i was i I was done so i uh we were like well we should start interviewing some people because it'd be a cool access into some of these guys like like lives what they're doing um their history it it just kind of gave a different outlet for some some of the musicians we've tried punching above a level a little bit like i I tried getting the foo fighters on they haven't nice they didn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> Why not try though, you know? 
Well, we had Frank. Right well. We had Frank Turner on, which was nice. Cool. That was pretty nice. Cool. He's supposed to be a really, really nice guy, really good guy. Yeah, he, he was very down to earth, and uh, we were we were gobsmacked when their manage, his management company responded to us saying, "Yeah, for sure, he'll come on." And I was like, "Come again? Did I, <laughs> did I, what?" <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Nice. Well, earlier you mentioned that you're doing lots of new writing. Does that mean there's a new album coming out? Well, it's there's yeah, kind of in the works. There's 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 there are many <laughs> songs in the works. Um, I can't really say for sure because obviously everything's so up in the air that dates and kind of I don't know planning anything is quite difficult. But but yeah, there's there's a there's a plan to release a new record at some stage, um, and I've certainly got plenty of new songs. Um, kind of in the library either recorded or being recorded and and ready to put out at some stage so yeah for now i intend to just kind of keep putting out a few singles and and a few tracks but at some point i want to put out like a full body of work yeah uh, will the the singles that you are releasing be on an album or are you leaving the singles as singles and the album will be all new stuff as well i think probably a mixture um i think i think a lot of these songs that i'm putting out at the moment probably will be on the record um it's kind of been nice actually to be like some some songs that are being recorded at the moment or that i'm planning to record i've i wrote them quite a while ago and i've kind of gigged them and stuff but i haven't had a chance to record yet so it's obviously that i'm looking forward to recording those but but it's also quite nice to sometimes just like write a song and then record it straight away um mm even you know without gigging it or without really like putting it out there sometimes it's nice to just put out something completely new that nobody's heard um so i think there'll be a bit of both it, it has been a general general trend and i don't know if brad's picked up on it as well um but people that we've been having on here that there is a new trend towards just releasing singles or maybe an, an ep and not not heading towards the uh the album kind of route at the moment and I don't know whether that has that has been induced by COVID, where people just want to get stuff out as they write it and record it. Do you think that's kind of forcing that forcing the hand of artists? Maybe a little bit. I think people now, because of COVID, most people um, have a home set up and can record most things from home, and then work with their band or their producer or whoever remotely. So it does mean that you kind of have the time to record something, bat it back and forward with your producer or whatever, and kind of just gradually work up songs. Um, whereas I guess normally there's much more of a cycle of writing and touring and resting and getting inspiration or whatever, and then kind of doing the same thing again. So it's not normal for people to kind of not, not have the kind of gigging slash inspiration exploring time and just like have a constant time of being able to be creative but not with kind of much inspiration going on so i think people i think yeah i think yeah maybe that's meaning that people aren't really having unless they were already kind of in that process before lockdown happened maybe that's meaning that people don't really have kind of the energy and the inspiration to write a full album just like off the bat if you know what I mean in like a space of a few months but they're able to just kind of tick things over and put a few songs out yeah. gradually that's kind sounds, of how I feel a little bit sounds like you're missing the, the feedback that you would get from a live show when you're playing music oh you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you've hit the nail on the on the on the head there Brad I think I think for musicians 
having that connection with the audience and having the response to the song is like so much a part of it. It's such a big thing that I know Jazz and I have really been feeling like having just putting so much work into lots of different areas or whatever, but not being able to gig and have that feedback and have that connection with the audience and that kind of, I don't know, it's such an amazing feeling. I think that, I think, yeah, it's, it kind of, I don't know, it, it, it sometimes makes you just feel like you're banging a he your head against a wall and you're not like getting, getting the stuff back. Um, we were discussing the other day how when you, when you play a gig and it's completely electric and, and obviously not every gig is like that. I don't know, like one in 20 gigs or one in 50 gigs, there's this like electricity in the air and there's this vibe. And as soon as you walk on the stage, you can feel it. And I, and I have no idea how that works. But that for me, anyway, the experience that I've had is sometimes you walk onto a stage and you just know that the gig is going to be amazing. There's just a vibe in the room and, and you smash that gig and everybody's just like so there with you. And a gig like that can literally sustain you for like months or a year just on that feeling of just being like, this is why we do this. You know, this is this is why we're up on this stage for that for that kind of feeling and that response. So to not have any gig at all in a whole year is, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite tough. But I, I'm hoping that when things do open up again, people will just be so like mad keen to get out to gigs, you know? So uh, talking about gigs still, what is your best band or like, have you been starstruck or met a musical hero story? You know what? I was I was having a having a think about this, and um, <clears throat> I don't think I've actually met any of my musical heroes. Um, but I have. I was talking earlier about James Taylor and Joni Mitchell and Carol King, and um, one person that kind of connects all of those people is a guy called Peter Asher. Um, who was a producer manager um, who worked with all of them and actually kind of worked with all of them at the same time and they were all playing there was one stage when they were all kind of starting out where they were all like singing backing harmonies on each other's records and obviously James sung um, You've Got a Friend and they were all kind of collaborating and singing each other's songs and working together and working with Peter Asher so I think as a super group maybe I'd choose like those three which who already kind of are a super group in a way um, and as far as like meeting musical hero goes, I didn't know, I didn't really know anything about it at the time, but when I was in the States on that trip, traveling around and playing gigs, I managed to somehow meet Peter Asher, um, who had worked with all of my heroes. Um, I met him in Malibu at this, at this kind of beach bar. And, um, I, how did, how did it come about? I can't remember. Friend of a friend somebody managed to get us introduced and got and we sort of ended up chatting um with peter asher and hearing a bit about when he'd kind of yeah been been working with all of these amazing artists um and he's a really really nice man um and then when we came back to the uk he was doing a, a show in birmingham um with that amazing amazing guitarist albert lee him and albert lee were doing a doing a tour in the uk and and we went to see them and kind of heard a lot of the background story about um well just about back in the day really um 
which was pretty inspiring. So I'd say he's he's probably the most kind of inspiring uh, musical icon or whatever that I've met, even though he wasn't kind of my hero. He's connected to all my heroes. So I say I'd choose him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was I was letting Brad go, but he's uh, he's obviously handing it over to me. Um, so you've never you've never been like supporting at a concert or been at a musical event, and you've met someone backstage and you've been like, what? Like you haven't been? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not really that kind of a music fan anyway, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but I've met I've met I've met some pretty cool people. Obviously, like Alfie Bo. Yeah. Um, but he's just kind of like quite a nice, normal blokey bloke. So it's not, I don't know. I didn't really feel very starstruck. I think with him, he's just, he's just like a very nice guy. Um, and then Lucy Rose, who's a, who's a cool UK singer songwriter. I met her, um, through this competition in the UK and I got to support her. Um, but it was kind of, I just met her very briefly and she's quite shy. So it was kind of, I don't know, uh, we didn't kind of get to get to chat loads or anything. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anyone else who... We, we, we had a, we had a uh, cracking story from Cultures. I don't know if, yeah. you, I don't know if you listen to, to us on a regular basis, but the first episode of uh, this new season, we had Cultures on, and the bass player full-on admitted to being backstage and talking to this guy. It was Townsend from The Who. Right, okay. He didn't have a clue who he was. He was just like, yeah, all right, mate, like, just, and, and just carry I, I I don't know how you admit to that on, on, on <laughs> in public that you that you did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good story. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, there's, uh, to be honest, if I was in that kind of situation as well, I don't really know what a lot of people look like actually from big bands. Even though I would have obviously heard the music, I don't know if I'd recognise people. So that's probably quite likely to happen to me at some point. <laughs> Just like be backstage and meet some incredibly famous, awesome person and not realize. Okay. Um, so you, you kind of already hinted at who your perfect three-man band would be. Um, so that kind of brings us quite neatly to the end of the, uh, end of the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's f thanks for joining us. Um, no, thanks for having me. And we'll look forward to uh, new music coming out on the horizon. Hopefully that album, yeah. that album will be out maybe sooner rather than later if we can get back to normal fingers and crossed yeah we'll see you back on a stage sometime soon yes um, be amazing i can't wait for that moment um <laughs> thanks for coming on though yeah but yeah that's no, been great thanks brad for joining me as always uh, have you got anything to add before we sign off no i'm good you're good so hattie you've sent us a track to add to the uh, end of the podcast uh, if you'd like to introduce it for us and then uh We'll say goodbye. Yeah, so the track is The Mountain and Me um, that I was um, telling you about earlier. So, yeah, I hope it just kind of chills everyone out and, and uh, puts you in a good place to get on with your day wherever you are. Thank you very much. And this is the Maple Lime Music Podcast. Well, I've been dreaming of the wild spaces Whoever knew the happiness was complicated I Hold on in the backseat of my life oh, I've been waiting on those new horizons And someday soon, yeah, I'll be waking up to find the mind 
It only takes a lot